Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Chapter 1, last week I tried to kick this series off entitled, He Came, but we had uh, the Holy Spirit came. If you weren't here last week, man, you missed a really great service. Every service is good. We don't have bad services here. Some are better than others, others, but we never have a bad service. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's always here. He promised that if two or three are gathered in his name, he said, I'm going to be there. So we don't have a bad one. Some are better than others. And last week, the Holy Spirit really moved. I didn't get into my message. I did talk about uh, John chapter 1, which I will try to land there today. But I wanted to talk about he came Is this for the next couple of weeks uh, about Jesus Christ. And on the way into church this morning, we counted 17 Amazon trucks. So I believe Christmas is here. Amen. <laughs> on a Sunday, 17 Amazon trucks just uh, on here uh, delivering them packages. So rest assured yours is on the way. Tell somebody your gift's on the way. Gift's on the way. Come on. Tell them gift's on the way. Hallelujah. But in Matthew chapter 1, I just wanted to break this down when we talk about he came. It's the greatest time of year because it's about the greatest event in human history. It's the birth of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 1, it says in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, betrothed is a little bit like engaged today, but it's more serious in the ancient culture and in the Jewish culture. When you were betrothed, you were already given to one another. The only thing that hasn't happened was your uh, ceremony, which was a week-long celebration. Uh, Joseph has already came to Mary's mom and dad and asked permission to marry her. They gave her to him. Now you go, they go away and they prepare a literal home for their bride. And uh, that's in the Jewish custom still to this day. They practice that. Then they come back and get their wife to live with them. So they are technically married. That's why the very next verse says, then Joseph, her what? Husband. That's why he's always he's all already considered her husband. But she is pregnant, and they have not came together intimately. And so being a just man, which Joseph was, he was not wanting to make her a public example and was minded to put her away because how many know the neighbors are going to talk? Here's this uh, young lady showing up saying to her fiancé or husband, hey, uh, I'm pregnant. And uh, he's like, well, we haven't got together. And she says, well, I'm pregnant by God. And so... Uh, Imagine how that would go over. And so he didn't know what to do. But in verse 20, it says, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, Ashua the Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. I wanted to talk to us today about why he came, the need for a Savior. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, my Redeemer and my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated today. Verse 21, that's really what I want to focus on this morning, uh, just for a few minutes, but 
it is uh, the need of a savior. And it really sums it up by saying this, that she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Why did all this have to happen? Why did Jesus come? Uh, why, did, why do we have all of this? Why is this even our Christian you know, belief system? What, what's the meaning of all of this? It's really summed up right there. He came to save his people from their sins. I think it's important that we understand the why. Christianity is supposed to be about the why. Religion is always about the what. Religion is always about the what. Hear me. It's always about what you wear, what you listen to, what you do, what you don't do. It's about the what. It's like the outside of the cup. And nothing's, it's not all bad, but religion always focuses on the what. What religion are you? What do you believe? What, what? It's always the what. Jesus came to talk about what's inside the cup. This is the why. This is the why I worship. Parents need to teach our kids not how to, you know, to worship, but why we worship. Why we give, why we volunteer, why we believe God, why we don't do this, why do we do this? If you don't know the why, you're only going to do the what for so long. You understand that? I'm only going to do this, and, and we won't do it all the time. You only, do the, you only do the right thing in front of the right people. You'll only do the right thing in front of the right people when you don't have the why down. Oh, here comes Pastor Ray. I better not tell that joke. It has nothing to do with me hearing your jokes. I don't care if you, if what language you use. I'm not God. But a person that has the why down, then they know that they don't do those things because it grieves the heart of their God. David was one of the few people in all of the Old Testament that had the why down. Everybody else focused in on the what. They had the prayers. They had the what to do, when to do it. But David was a man who was after God's own heart. And let me tell you, he didn't even do everything right. You won't even have to do the what all the time, all the right way, if you did have the why down. But he had the why down. Come on, somebody. I need some people to have the why down. That understand why we do what we do. Why do you read your Bible? Other religions of the world and in uh, Islam, the young people are learned by the age of 10, the five pillars. They, they, they learn their, their, their belief system is down packed. It blows Christianity away. You get 20-year-olds been in church their whole life and can't name hardly anything. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying this is a problem. And I think it's because we've gotten away from the why. Why did Jesus come? Why are we in church today? Why do we do what we do? Why did you drive out here? Why do you do? I mean, we got to know. When I first got saved, I began to ask these questions. And I came across the scripture in Proverbs that says, the righteous will study to know how to answer. I was like, wow, that's it, God. The righteous, well, so I would ask myself questions on the way to work. What I knew my coworkers would ask me. And I would rehearse these conversations, and it, and, and it caused a hunger in my life and in my heart to get into the Word of God. Why? Why did Jesus come? I go on and on and on with that. Jesus had to come because we got to start with the problem. We have a problem. It's called sin. Ooh, sin. Sin, sin is bad. 
Sin is bad. Jesus had to come because of a problem. The, the word sin is all in the Bible. What does it mean? There's many different definitions. The, the most common one is this Greek word, and it simply means failure. It means taking the wrong course. It means missing the mark. Taking the wrong course. Missing the mark. You're taking the wrong course. If we allow... If we allow sin to lead us, it will lead us down the wrong course. No matter uh, what we look like, how much money we have in the bank, there's a Christian rapper that has a lyric that says, um, you're not a bull because you, you wear Jordans. You're not a rich man because your name is on the Forbes list. I was like, wow, that's pretty good. When you volunteer here, you'll hear rap down one aisle. You'll go down this aisle and they're playing Christmas music. And, but I was listening to that. I, you're not a rich man even though your name is on the Forbes list. I said, how deep is this? Some of y'all need to listen to Christian rap. It's more, more deeper than you think. Others are like, no, I don't listen to that. Anyway, but it's right. No matter how much money we have in the bank, if, if we're following our sinful desires, listen, we are headed the wrong way. Jesus said it like this. What does it profit a man if you gain the whole world? Your name is number one on the Forbes list, but you lose your soul. Come on, somebody. We got to understand how awful sin is in order for us to appreciate salvation. And we've gotten away from, you know, talking about how bad sin is. Sin has messed everything up. Sin will mess everything up today. Sin is awful. It's all through the Bible. God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1. And it was beautiful. It was so awesome. The Garden of Eden is where it started. And it was just, it was just an amazing place to live and to be. And, he, and in chapter 2, he went through and he created the animals. And he created man in the image of God. And we're going to dive into this in January as I talk about angels and demons and the origin of evil. And how he made angels and all of that way before he made man. But man was made in the image of God. We're the, we're the only ones that were different. We're made just like in the image of our God. And we were given the, the commandment to subdue the earth and replenish the earth and, and to let Garden of Eden spread and cover the whole earth like that. And, and, and God gives us a job because in our job we find our purpose. And our number one purpose is to worship God. But all the talents and gifts that God's given us, we are to use those for his glory. Come on, somebody. But it only lasted two chapters. Chapter three, everything fell apart. Three chapters is all we get in the Bible. And then man gets involved and it just fell apart. Romans says it like this. The apostle Paul says, therefore, just as through one man's one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin so that death spread to all men because all have sinned. In other words, it, it was perfect, but everything had, it got messed up because of sin. Adam and Eve sinned, and it came into the world, and in came disease. This is why you see, we see sickness and disease today, and, and we go, man, how did this happen? And, and why don't God, why did God do that? And why God did not create this world the way it is today. This world is broken. We learn that in the first three chapters of the Bible, that God created it beautiful. He didn't create cancer. 
He didn't create leukemia. He didn't create sugar diabetes. He didn't create rape and murder and molestation and all these awful things that humanity has done. We as fallen people have done that. You're not making me feel good about myself today, Pastor Eddie. We shouldn't because we are the problem. And it said through our disobedience, sin into the world because all have sinned. We all have our genetics. We all have our, the traits from our great, 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 great grandfather, Adam. I can go into the kids' ministry today and I can pick kids out by uh, who, what they look like because many of them look just like you. And they look, you go through there and you go, oh man, that looks just like so-and-so. And, and that little boy acts just like his daddy and this and that. And, and, and you, do, you can see your family traits in your kids, right? You can see both of my girls have a little bit of me and a little bit of Melinda. And um, none of my girls are in their 20s. Uh, they're starting, one of them's starting to sneeze. And, and, and I say, yeah, you got my allergies. That's about right when I was and in my 20s. And uh, sometimes we give our kids things that we didn't intend to, but it, it's genetics. They, and many of it comes through it. Well, let me say this. We all got our, our forefather Adam's genetics, and it is sin. That's why you won't, we don't have to teach our kids to steal, but you'll have to teach them not to steal. Uh, you got to see this today. You got to see why, why Jesus came, why you need Jesus. It's automatic to, we are, we have a propensity, the Bible teaches, to want to do evil. It's, it's a part of that sin. That's what Romans is saying. Through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin. Adam and Eve, when they sinned and they, and they begin to experience it and woke up with a backache for the first time. And, and Eve began to look in a, little shiny piece of something for a mirror and go, oh my God, is that a wrinkle? What is that? That's a wrinkle. They're aging. It's all a part of the fall of man. We learned that in the first three chapters of the Bible. So it changed everything. Then God comes along in Genesis 4 and he begins to say to his, Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel, he says, hey guys, Things are going to be different now that sin is in the world. Look what he said in verse 7. He says to, to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you are supposed to rule over it. That's an amazing scripture. That's an amazing scripture. He says, Cain, because your mom and dad sinned, Everything has changed now. He was jealous of his brother. His brother was living for God. His brother was serving God. His brother was worshiping. His brother was going after God, and he was blessed. But Cain had his life was falling apart. You ever know somebody like that? Their life is falling apart. Come from the same family, go to the same church or whatever. Sometimes you can go to the same church, hear the same messages, same preacher, and one's getting blessed, one's growing, and the other one's not. Why is this happening? Uh, God brought it back, and he said, Cain, the problem isn't, isn't this, it isn't that. The problem is you're letting sin into your life. Sin lies at the door. This is amazing. So we have a door. What's that all about? Yeah, we got a door. We have a door, and this is what gets me, and sin has a desire. Sin has a desire, it has a desire, and it wants to be all up in our life. It wants to be all up in our life. Sin wants to get in your marriage. Sin wants to, and, and it does mess everything up. It still will mess everything up. Sin will mess up a family. Family's doing good, loving God, and, and everything's going right. And all of a sudden, sin comes in through a, through a bad habit, through an affair, through, through uh, something. But it always messes everything up, and it shatters everything. It can mess a church up. 
It can mess a ministry up. It can get into a ministry. You have this worship team up here, and Pastor Steve prays, and he tries to keep carnality out, and he tries to keep flesh out. Why? Because Paul said a little leaven will, will cause the whole lump to go bad. They'll get up there one day, and there'll be no anointing to go over the first pew. Why? Because there's sin in the camp. Isn't that right? That's what Joshua learned when he got God. Joshua tried to go out, and he tried to beat Ai, a little, vict- a little, little army, a little fight, just a little problem. He tried to go out and overcome this little temptation, this little problem, and he lost. He couldn't do it. He went back and he fell on his face and he said, God, how come I had no victory? How, how did you let the enemy come over me? How did you let the enemy do this? I was supposed to get that job. How come you didn't give me that job? How come you not? I did not have your blessing. And God looked at Joshua and God said, Joshua, get off of your face. Stop praying. It's the only place God said stop praying. He said, get off of your face. You've allowed sin in the camp. Why is that story in there? Because it's trying to remind us, no matter how good we look and smell and Christmas and everything else, that there's an ugly thing at the door of every person that's listening to me today. And it wants into your marriage. It wants into your finances. It wants into you. It wants it to stop us from doing what we're doing right here. Let me say that again. It wants to stop us from what we are doing right now in this moment. Arise and shine, God says. Rise up. And it starts with shutting that door on carnality. Come on. Shutting that door on the flesh. Shutting that door on jealousy. Shutting that door on lasciviousness. Shutting that door on the enemy. Some of you need to say, you ain't getting in my marriage. You ain't getting into my life. You ain't getting into my family. You ain't getting into my mind. You ain't getting into my heart, devil. I'm shutting the door on you. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. That's in Genesis. People say, Pastor Eddie, why did this happen? Why does it happen? Some things I don't know why it happened, but many of them I do know. You learned it in the very first three chapters. Sin is bad. It's awful. Messes everything up. Hallelujah. So, did Cain close the door? Nope. And here's our problem. We like the door just sometimes even cracked. Can I preach to you? You all came out to hear a word today, I think. What does this have to do with Christmas? You had me feeling all good with them Christmas tongues. It has every... I was feeling it. Hallelujah. We love the door to be cracked sometimes. May not have it open. Oh, Pastor Eddie, I ain't as bad. I heard him tell me, you needed Jesus. Pastor Eddie, you needed Jesus running around there gang banging in e-cores, doing drugs. You needed Jesus. But I'm okay because the worst I've ever done was maybe lie. The Bible says you either open the door all the way or crack it. Either way, the door is open. Either way, it's like busting a James in the book of James says that the commandments of God are holy and it's like a balloon. And if anyone stumbles in any area of breaking the law, you pop the balloon. Whether you shoot it with a 12 gauge or just tell a little lie, you still break the law of God. Wow. I'm going somewhere, Kavar. You got to hear this because if we understand sin and the need of a savior, you will, I say it again, appreciate salvation. You'll be worshiping before they hit one note on that keyboard, me included. I got to remind myself sometimes because I've been doing this for a while. And it's been 22 years now for me. And I have to, sometimes I'll drive back in the old neighborhood just for my own sake, for me to get a refresher's course of where God has brought me. 
Maybe this is doing this for you today. But if, you're, if this is your first service or, you're, or if you're new to the Christian faith and trying to understand, this is a great sermon and message for you to hear today. Because you gotta get, if you get saved the right way, you'll live the right way. Well, we like the door to be cracked. Why? Jeremiah tells us this. This is the problem. He says, because the heart is more deceitful than all. The heart is desperately wicked. In the King James, it says, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's, it's the heart. Now that sin has come into the world, our problem is a heart problem. We have a heart problem. It's not a race problem. It's, it's not a political problem. Oh, we're divided. Divided states of America. Oh, big time. And I said it before. Politics is the new weapon the enemy has used to divide the church. You better have some wisdom today and realize that we fight not against Democrats or Republicans, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. There is something behind this thing. And so our problem isn't a race problem because if we were all the same color, we would still find fault with one another. Look at your history. They were in Europe. They were all white people and they tried to commit genocide on the other race in Northern Europe and, and, and back in the day. There are, you could all be the same color. We would say, well, we don't like the shade or we don't like your nose is bigger or, or you're taller. All the tall people would hate the short people. Don't be hating on me. I'm trying to help us today. But we say, oh, no, that's easier for me to fight against. No, 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 no. That's not our problem. We have a sin problem. We have a heart problem. We have a heart problem. Jeremiah says, I don't want to hurt your self-image, but your heart is desperately wicked. You don't even realize how deep you can go in this thing, baby. You look good today in church, but I want you to know that you're capable of some really messed up stuff. I thought this was river of life. Before God can bring us to life, man, he's got to know how dead we are. Over in Revelations, there were seven churches. One of them thought they were just the cat's meow. Whatever that means. That means something good. Read it. and that, You guys know what I'm talking about in Revelations. He says to the church of Ephesus, you have a reputation of being uh, on fire and alive. He said, but you're dead. You're dead. We got, we got to see this. Our heart is desperately wicked before God. That's our problem. That's why God said, I got, I got to send a Savior. So the problem, the problem is a heart problem. You read about people throughout history, how people that made a change in, in, in racism. For, and we'll just say that because that, that is one of the big issues in our country today. You go back and, uh, and you see the people that really made a difference for God. They did it not because of the color of skin, because they had a heart problem. They had a, a heart change and a heart transformed into the image of God. And God got in there and were able to make a difference. Went and saw that movie, Harriet Tubman. It was a powerful woman story of that woman that was born in slavery. And, and she went back and set free, uh, I don't know how many slaves, and made this journey of over 100 miles. This woman would run through the woods. And, and I love the story because what led her through it was not just her, her uh, desire to see change. It was her connection with God. It was her spiritual connection with God that led her through that journey. She had a heart change. 
change. The greatest man to ever make a, a change in civil rights was who? A preacher named Dr. Martin Luther King who had a dream that one day he would see black. Look at his story. He was a man of God. I'm saying if we want to see real change, it's not changing our politics. It's not changing our policies. It's not changing how we dress, how we talk, how we act, what coffee you drink. It's a heart that needs to be changed. It's a heart. Help me, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And that's what Christmas is all about. Really. Because then we have throughout the Old Testament, we have the promise. And that's our text today. The promise was, was given to people. God has been telling people for years, for over 2,000 years, I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send a Savior. I'm going to send somebody. He, he's going to be wonderful, counselor, prince of peace, everlasting father. He's going to be this and that. The government shall not be all these prophecies we have, including the one we read today. He, his name shall be called Jesus. Here we get good here. I don't want to leave you in darkness and despair. Here's the good news of the gospel. As messed up as our heart is, God does love us just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. That's the message of the gospel. And he loves you and he says, what got you into, because what got you into this trouble and, and into my trouble was the way my heart is. And God says, I'm going to fix that. Jesus, his name means Savior, Yeshua. The first translation in Hebrew is Joshua, but it's Jesus. It means Savior. What, is, what does it mean to be saved? We say that I'm saved. Are you saved? I'm saved. I remember when I was a little kid, my mom and dad first started going to church. We were about six or seven, and my older brother was like eight or nine. And when we were, I never forget this. As young as I was, we were out front, and we were talking, and um, I was talking about how I got saved. I got saved at seven years old in, in children's church. Uh, Sister um, Saldana, uh, who was that? My teacher, I had so many. Um, they had Seuss, led me to the Lord in, uh, in children's church at seven years old. And one thing I'll never forget is that she would use me to illustrate King David. And uh, we were in Southwest Detroit, so I wasn't, I was one of the few white boys in there. And so everybody else was either Hispanic or, so David was runny. He had, you know, light eyes. And I, I never even knew who David was. I'll never forget how she pulled me up and said, King David was like Eddie. And I remember saying, that's why I love King David did this. I'm telling you, what kind of impact our, our teachers have on our kids is that you'll never, ever, ever, ever forget it. I'm telling you, the seeds that are sown in River Kids and Royal Rangers and Girls Ministry, I'm telling you, they do go in your heart. God says, I'll watch over my word so it will not return unto me void. So even though you got kids that may not be walking with God, if them seeds were planted, let me just remind you, God is watching over his word and he will bring people at the right time into their life to water those seeds and, and he will cause it to give the increase. So he's talking with my friend and I said, man, I got saved. He goes, you got saved? And I said, yeah, you got, he said, you got saved from what? I said, I got saved. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and then he said, and then he came back a couple days later. He said he had this joke. And he goes, yeah, you want to hear a couple guys. I don't remember the whole joke, but it was something like a couple guys went out fishing. And one guy fell into the water. And another guy was going to fall in the water. But I grabbed him and I saved him. It, you know, when you're seven, that was a big deal. And uh, it doesn't even make sense now. But I was mad because he was mocking that I was saved. But... I did not understand what it means to be saved. And you may, not, you may be here and say, what does it mean to be saved? 
What does it mean? This is what saved means to be delivered. Have you been delivered? Are you a, we sung it today, are you a slave of fear? You can be delivered from fear today. It means to be rescued. I love this, the cure. The cure to the sin problem. It's the cure to the sin problem. To give new life and to give a new heart. That it is, there it is right there. Don't need a new political party. You don't need this. We need a new heart. Oh, somebody get that today. You need a new, our problem is a new heart. That's what salvation is all about. That's what we need. That's what you need. That's what everybody needs is to be saved, is to receive the new heart. Ezekiel said it like this. He, God said it through the prophet. He says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take that heart of stone that's, that's, that's all wicked and desperately wicked. Look at, listen, God said, I will take it out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And I love this. And it will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my commandments, and you will do them. Come on, give God some. That's good. You can clap. That's good. That's salvation. There's not religion nowhere in there. And I will make you a Catholic. I will make you a Lutheran. They always got a big cross. Every Lutheran church has a cross. I'm telling you in front. Uh, I'll make you a Methodist. Has a little fire. Don't know where the fire. Anyway, it's a fire. I will make you a Baptist. I will make you assemblies of God. Read it. These are little little categories that we put. He said, I'm going to put a new heart in you. I put a new heart. You'll have the why. You'll have the why. Why I worship is because God has given me a new heart. When I first got saved, you, you would ask me, how come, uh, not pastor, I wasn't pastor, Eddie, how come you don't go back and, and, and get all crazy like you used to do? I, I, there was a time I would tell you, because that leads to hell. And, and Galatians tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, gives a whole list of those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Absolutely. But as you, God puts that new heart in you, I love it, it will cause you, don't underestimate that word. In the Hebrew, it literally means I will empower you and give you the ability to do what I've been asking you to do. You will want to. Man, I love preaching this kind of stuff. It will want you to do what you used to hate. You will love what you used to hate and hate what you used to love when you get this new heart. It will, it will call. Now, now I answer that question. I don't go back and do that because, yeah, I know where it eventually leads, but number one, because it grieves the, my father, and, and I don't want to cause shame, or I don't want to hurt my father. He, he don't want me to do that. And two, it leads to destruction. It leads to pain. Sooner or later, sin has wages. It may be fun right now, but it's going to show up at your door knocking, saying, hey, it's time to pay the bill. I want your marriage. I want your reputation. I want your mind. I want your integrity. You've been building integrity for 20 years. You'll lose it in a moment. I'm here to collect this payday. Help me, Jesus. Hear me. But when God puts that new heart in us, 
You don't got to worry about it. It will cause you to, you ain't going to be perfect, but it will cause you to walk in his ways. Hallelujah. Give us a new heart, Jesus. That's what we need in this country. I believe that's why you're calling your church to do today is to arise and shine and tell people that our problem is our, is our heart problem, God. It's, we can move different states. We can, we can move different cities. We moved out of Ecorse and went to Taylor, and I thought because we were coming out of the inner city, it was going to change. But you know what I did? I found some people, and we got into trouble in Taylor. When God pulls you out, if you don't have a heart change, you can relocate to another whole state, and you'll end up getting your, finding an environment that was just like the one you left. Why? It's a heart. But David was a man that was after God's own heart. And let me end it by what we started on last week was John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning God came. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Remember that, the whole thing? And as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the power because he's given us a new heart to those that receive Jesus, that receive the gift. When we receive the gift, we just don't go to Christmas plays. We just don't go to Christmas services. I'm I'm just being real simple today. But when we receive the gift that God has given us, what does that say? For as many as received him, not looked at him, not knew about it, but received him. To them, he gave the right, the power to become children of God because you got a new heart. They say it like this as, as we close. Throughout the Bible, you have had this, this war between good and evil. And God created Adam and Eve, and the enemy came, and he got Adam and Eve to sin. We read that, and disobey God. Sin came into the world. Then God had Adam and Eve, they had uh, children, Cain and Abel. God had Cain kill Abel. And then in chapter 4, it says Adam and Eve knew each other again. They almost gave up, but they knew each other again, and they gave birth to Seth, which means second chance. And there was a revival, and people began to call out in the name of God. And then chapter 6 came along, and angels left their place, and you had You have this perverted and this this bizarre story of how Satan just infiltrated God's earth and and giants were in the land and all of that began to happen. And God said, I'm going to reset the earth and cause the flood to come upon the earth. But he saved Noah. Anyone else that wanted to get in the ark, they could have been saved. But only Noah and his family did. And and so Satan said, okay, it's my turn. And so here we come again with with idol worship. And then God said, I'm going to call Abraham to come out. And you, you see this and live by faith and he's going to leave idolatry and then you see a righteous king the whole old testament a wicked king a righteous king a wicked king and on and on and on throughout the old testament you see this this evil versus good this good versus evil back and forth and the sin of man is not getting better we're going to church, we're, we're having sacrifices, we're doing this. You would have Samson or you would have Gideon, but then there would be another a period of time when the people of God would enter into darkness. That's our history as humanity. Why? Because our heart has always been wicked, has always been evil. And then you get to the end of the Old Testament, it's Malachi. And it shuts with a promise that one day I'm going to send a Messiah who will turn the sons, uh, hearts of the sons back to the hearts of the Father. And the hearts of the Father 
back to the hearts of the sun. In other words, there's going to be peace. And then we have 400 years of silence. And the enemy is there saying, okay, God, it's your move. Okay, God, it's, it's your turn to make a move. It's your, are you going to send another Noah? Come on, are you going to send another Samson? Are you going to send someone else? Are you going to raise up a woman like Ruth or, or, or someone? Are you going to Deborah? Come on, who, give me your best shot. Now you come to John chapter 1, and God says, I'm going to respond, but I'm not sending nobody. I'm coming down there myself. In the beginning was the world. And the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh. And the Word walked among them. And the Word was with them. And the Word shall be in them. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, stand with me today. Let's, let's finish this up. Hallelujah. That's the Christmas story. I'm coming down there. Those that receive me, I am going to change them from the inside out. No blood of an animal and a sacrifice could take it away. It made you feel better. And maybe we come to church and we leave and we just feel better. It should feel better to be with people of the same faith. You should feel better to worship. But are you being transformed? That's my job as a pastor, is to make sure that there are lives being transformed. That's the only thing we're doing all this for, not to have another big church in the area. Come to the coffee shop. My coffee's better than yours. I love coffee, and we're going to have all of that. But what I want to hear is, like I heard the other day, a guy said, Pastor Eddie, you don't know, but this church, you saved my life. Now, I know what he meant. I didn't save anybody. I know what he meant. This church, God, through this church, saved their life. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Someone told me the other day, best ready, one, one for what God is doing here. I don't know where I would be today. I've heard another one of you said you've been in and out of church in circles and you knew all of that. There's something about this. I had someone call me yesterday said, they're down in another state. They can't find a river of life down there. They've been to this church. They said, you ain't going to believe what kind of churches we run into down here. I said, we're going to plant one in Chicago. Here it comes, Jeremy. There's churches everywhere. The ones that really make the difference, I'm telling you, are the ones that's given you Jesus. Not a religion. I don't want you to walk out of here knowing the what. I want you to walk out of here knowing the why. This is why going to worship. This is why I'm going to worship him even through the storm. Because I know all things work together for the good for those that love him. You see that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just close our eyes right now. Focus in on him right now. I'm done preaching. Hallelujah. Jesus came because we need a Savior. It's that simple because sin has messed us all up. Sin has messed everything up. It did. You ever go to a restaurant and they used to allow you to do this, but now they changed their law, their rules, and you can't do that no more. Now you got to go over here and, you know, all, all that because I guarantee you someone messed it up for everybody. You know what I'm talking about. Everything. It's, it's just a sin just does it.
I had a co-worker that he used to always, we'd go fishing. He was a big outdoorsman. Every time we'd go fishing, he would see litter. He would go, dirty humans. He always would say that, dirty humans. And after a while, I was like, man, that, that makes sense. I said, why do you always say that? He goes, because we mess everything up. He was not even a follower of Christ, man. I was spending time with him, sharing with him the gospel and all this. And, but I, now I catch myself, dirty humans. We mess everything up. Oh, not me. Yeah, you do. If I could follow you around for just two days, you could follow me around for just two days. We got a sin problem. We got a heart problem that is desperately wicked. And Jesus is the only cure. So I, I don't want you to get anything here. I want you to get Jesus in your heart and in your life. With your eyes closed. I realize that we're in the Christmas season and next couple of weeks especially, people are going to be coming. And just for whatever reason, because it's Christmas, my goal is to make it as simple as I can to offer them a heart change. And if you're here today with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, and you say, Pastor Eddie, I need my heart changed. You was talking right to me today. I want you to lift your hand up right where you are. Say, that's me. I need my heart changed. Amen. I see that hand. See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. Hand everywhere. Everywhere. That's me. I need a heart change. That's my problem. I need my heart changed. Amen. Amen. You can put them down. If you haven't lifted them up, lift them up. Go ahead. Give you one more chance. One more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift your hand. That's me. I need a heart change. Maybe your heart was once there walking with God. You had that fire, that passion, that love. But sin has been at the door, and man, you're just tired. You're just curious. What would happen if I just opened it just a little bit and let just a little bit of my old sin, because I'm mature now. I can handle a little bit now. And and, and you and that, next thing you know, your po- power, your passion, your love is starting to wean. What's happening? You've opened that door. Jesus is saying, Revelations, it's funny how he says, I knock at the door. Open it. You got to open it. This door only opens from the inside. Open it. Let me in. I want to get in there and clean that mess up. Come on, if that's you, let's lift your hand. Pray for me today, Pastor Eddie. He needs to clean up my mess today. Clean up my mess today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If that's you today, lift your hand. Amen. 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 I'm going to have our prayer teams come on up. Get up here, and I want you to come up here. Just turn and face the people. I want our prayer teams to come on up, our altar teams. If you're here today and say, Pastor Eddie, I got some other things going on in my life. I'm saved, but, man, I'm really going through it right now, and I just need some prayer today. I want you to lift your hand up as well. Pray for me. Maybe a, a medical condition. Uh, you're going to go see a doctor this week or a uh, marriage, something's going on. Amen, amen, hands up, amen. Well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing one more song. These altars are open. If you want to come and just kneel and pray, that's fine. If you want to pray with someone, that's what these altar workers are for. They want to pray with you. If you lifted your hand for salvation, you need to come. They're going to lead you right into the prayer. Rest of you, we can worship. But if you lifted your hand, I want you to come out today. Come on, this is what we're here for. Come out of your seat. Come on. Come on out of your seat. Come and get prayer. Come on, we're going to pray with you today. Come on, come on, come on. Yes, come and get prayer. Come and get prayer. Hallelujah. Come on, if you want prayer, just come to our prayer, our altar workers. We want to pray with you today. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org River of Life Assembly of God A church of His presence His promises and all people